Welcome back to the Northern Kentucky Football Show. This is the Week 7 edition. Just chugging along. 13 games in the books from this weekend with 11 to come this Thursday and Friday. A lot of really close games Friday night as well as some interesting storylines including kickers who had big nights Friday. Fresh off his journey to South Bend where he watched UC beat Notre Dame. Joe D is in the house. I'm like Forrest Gump at the end of his run. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. Yeah. You should have taken one of those vacation days today. Would be nice, wouldn't it? I only have like 35 of them to burn. Mm-hmm. Just can't take them. No time to use them, man. Not during football season. No, I understand that. Jeremy Ziegler is also in the house today, fresh off of watching football, cutting down trees in the backyard. Back on the program. Waking sleeping babies, drinking Miller lattes. <laughs> Pretty good Saturday. <laughs> Beachwood and Bishop Rossert stay undefeated. After wins on Friday, Connor went to Fort Thomas and left victorious to stay unbeaten in District 5 as they prep for a Thursday night showdown against Cooper and Hebron. Coach Trosper is our interview this week, which you'll hear shortly. The Book of Eli is in the Fox 19 final quarter. was re-released Friday night in Madison, Indiana. Cooper's Eli White had a game that he'll be telling his grandkids about. Joe, anything from you this weekend? Boy, what a football weekend for this area. I know this is a high school football show, but there's a lot of people who have interests, obviously, in professional football, college football. And certainly this area produces a lot of kids who go on to play in the next level at these big schools in the area. But the Bengals, yep, beating the Steelers, beating the Jags, UC going to Notre Dame. And you start thinking about some of the players from this area who have played at UC and 20 years ago, the Gino Gadulis, the, the Greg Hergits of the world. I went to high school with a guy, Kurt Doolin, who played at UC. And to see where the program was to where it is now, where they're legitimately in the playoff conversation, huge weekend. And then UK yeah, to beat top 10 Florida. So what a weekend to celebrate football in the tri-state and northern Kentucky in this area because it was rare, different for the Cincinnati area to celebrate all these wins the way we have this week. The UC people were savage on Brian Kelly yesterday, weren't they? Did you see that one t-shirt that guy wore? If yes. you haven't seen it, go to Twitter. I saw it. <laughs> and there was a lot there was another kid who had a sign. He looked like he was about ten years old. It said, I was born on the day that Brian Kelly left UC and he brought that sign <laughs> straight to South Bend. You would have been impressed by how well UC fans traveled. They got team. in there. Man. I saw a nice picture of the all the red. It looked like Christmas with all the green and red all over the place, but they were loud, and they made a difference in that game. I think Notre Dame had won 26 straight games at home, and then UC comes in and knocks them off undefeated. Not a U- Notre Dame fan was rooting really hard for UC yesterday. I think you're a lot of people in this area. Notre Dame seems to be love or hate kind of yeah, But I'm Catholic, program. so it's like... Notre Dame Catholic, especially at New Catholic. I think that's one of the reasons I couldn't stand Notre Dame. My grandpa actually told me once, he was a huge Notre Dame fan, my dad's dad. We were down there, and he was watching it, and I was like, I hate Notre Dame because I've always liked Michigan. I don't know why, it's just been that way. And he told me, it's un-American not to like Notre Dame. So, sorry. I'll say this about the experience and a lot of times doing what I do, the, the higher up you go as far as reputation, history, that kind of thing, a lot of times you're not treated well. Like you go to small places, they'll treat you great. Like you go to high schools, like the media shows up, they'll treat you great. My experience at Notre Dame was an A+. The hospitality, not only the people working there, but the people going to the game, uh, the fans were very gracious to the UC fans. I was very impressed with the way Notre Dame handled itself, the show they put on, the hospitality. It was a first-class experience. Did you have to pay for food in the media room? No, I did not. Fox 19. That's true. We need to call Trisha Mackey and have a live interview and ask her in the house that Trisha Mackey built. She did build it. Why there isn't a cafeteria with a chef in that place? And she's she's a health person as well. So she's not in there wanting to eat protein bars and as pumpkin pie. That's all I eat, basically. She needs to be, you know, egg whites. and The funny thing is, there's this entire wall. Fruit. I'll, I'll take a picture of it and show it to you. You'll get a kick out of it. It's basically like going into a gas station where they have the aisles of candies and chips and everything. And there's like this little section of protein bars. And like every two weeks, it is just wiped clean. I'm, <laughs> because I'm I've gone in out. there and spent like $30 on all the protein bars at Fox 19. Somebody can send her this and let her know that I'm calling that out. Okay. we got to get that taken care of. I think she would. To the Week 7 games from Borland Stadium in Union, the final Louisville St. X, 13, Ryle, 3. The Raiders 
came into this game having won four straight, but fall in a defensive battle on homecoming weekend despite the loss. Ryle's defense was flat-out impressive Friday night. St. X came into the game averaging nearly 34 points a game, but Ryle snuffed out and swarmed to nearly everything they threw their way. St. X took a 6-0 lead near the end of the first quarter on a touchdown run, and Ryle would get a 27-yard field goal from senior place kicker Summer Dennigan. That was her first of the season just before the half. The Tigers would score again to finish the scoring in the third. Sophomore quarterback Logan Virax threw for 181 passing yards, but St. X's defense was stubborn against their run game, allowing only 67 yards. Don't have any stats for Ryle. An interesting thing in this game, I saw a, a play that I've only seen twice in my life in a high school game, and the other one I saw was on film. After the first X touchdown, they went for the extra point, and they were faking it. And the holder got the ball snapped to him. His knee was still on the ground, and he tossed it up to somebody who was running around, and he went into the end zone. And the moment it happened, I was like, oh, that's illegal. And it's one of those plays that you never see it. So it catches you off guard. And it was delayed by just a second or two, and all of a sudden I saw the referee running into the end zone, blowing his whistle, and I was like, oh, he's got this. It's, you have to come up off of the ground to do that in high school, whereas college in the NFL, like Boise State, how they would just get it and toss it up and do that. So that's what it looked like. But an interesting play, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think the Ryle side had any idea what was happening. They just thought that it was a two-point conversion. And the same ex-coach had said, um, we run that play all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> Incorrectly. Let me ask you this. So in college, the holder can have his knee on the ground and still pitch, and it not be ruled dead. Correct. So that's the difference between high school and college. Mm-hmm. I believe the NFL is the same way. Well, the NFL, yeah, you're, you're not down yeah, by. In, in high school, um, the rule says, and, and the rule is vague. I have it. Actually, I, I screenshotted it um, and had it here, and it says that the ball remains live if at the snap, the place kick holder with his knee on the ground and with a teammate in kicking position catches or recovers the snap while his knee is on the ground and places the ball for a kick, or mm. if he rises to advance, hand, kick, or pass the ball. So, wow. again, it's one of those, when you read it that way, you don't, it doesn't take you to that place. But when you see it on the field, it makes total sense. Sure. And you just don't see it much. That is something I always wondered. And I'm glad I now know there's a difference between high school and college because I never knew oh, that. Yeah, there are a lot of differences. Incredible atmosphere Friday night. Ryle had, I don't know how many students were there. I bet you it was a 1,000. It was incredible. And they were all in orange, getting crazy. Just a great atmosphere for Ryle. Uh, St. X played really well. Ryle played really well. You could definitely tell, and I mentioned this to Coach Inkler, coming off of a bye, there's a bye-week blues, a lot of five-yard penalties here and there. Yeah. I think this score shows us something, though, because we've been wondering about Ryle all season long. We know how good they are relative to the competition in Northern Kentucky, but how are they relative to the best competition in their class? Because yep. it gets real when you get to Louisville, and hey, maybe Trinity is back because they yeah, just beat Cincinnati St. X over the weekend, who I thought was a runaway state champion winner in Ohio. And they might be, but still, you see Trinity's got that juice still in them going forward. But to me, for Ryle to play this game and, and play St. X tough and, and match them. It looks like they matched them physically. If they you, did. 13-3, to three, and that's the number that jumps out to me. It's not the three. I, I know what Ryle's offense is and can be and will be better. To me, the number is the 13. Holding St. Uh, Xavier to 13 points shows me about that Ryle defense. They are real. They are mean. They are nasty. They are big. They are legitimate. And to me, this result, the fact that they were able to play right there with St. X, and you talked about the bye week blues, that when they play their best, their best can be good enough against the best in the state. So I took that away as a sign of Ryle maybe having the ability to do the kind of damage we think they can in 6A. Beachwood 21, Dixie 14. The Tigers sweep the Dixie Highway Colonels and remain unbeaten at 6-0 and as they now head into three straight district games. Beachwood took the opening kick and marched down the field, but were stopped after a first-and-goal opportunity. Then Dixie would drive 97 yards, capped off by a Pierce-Roman two-yard touchdown run with 10 minutes remaining in the second quarter. Beachwood would get on the board just before the half when Cameron Hergett flipped a dime to Brett Halliday, 
who made an incredible over-the-shoulder fingertip catch for the 39-yard touchdown. And the game was tied at seven into the break near the end of the third. Herget found Mitchell Berger, who did what Mitchell Berger does, makes plays. A 27-yard touchdown to put Beachwood up 14-7 late in the fourth. Herget got himself into the end zone on a 12-yard touchdown run that gave Beachwood a two-score lead, but Dixie wasn't finished. Logan Landers would lead the Colonels down the field in eight plays when he found Ryan Diltz wide open for a 35-yard touchdown. Dixie would threaten again, but Beachwood's defense held, securing the win. Cameron Hergett was 13-14 of 14 for 207 yards. He rushed 18 times for 145 yards. Mitch Berger caught five passes for 72 yards. Parker Mason had four catches for 57 yards. Brett Halliday had two catches for 49 yards. And Avery Courtney also caught two passes for 29 yards. Logan Landers was 19 of 26 for 206 yards. He rushed for 36. Roman finished with 23 yards, and Holbert added 18 on the ground. Brock Rice had four catches for 45 yards. Ryan Diltz had two catches for 44 yards. Holbert, Holbert caught four balls for 41 yards. Kel Hawkins had three catches for 33 yards. Roman also had three catches for 21 yards. Gabe Thielen had two catches, and Mark Dugan had a catch. Ahmad Edwards had a 64-yard kick return in this game as well. So the big picture here for Beachwood is that's 14 straight wins now for the program going back to last year, 6-0 and this year. And the two teams who beat them last year, they have avenged both losses in Covcath and Dixie, uh, getting a 21-14 win over Dixie on their home field. You want to drill down on a game like this and, and try to find moments. And as I do that, I'm looking at Cameron Hergett, 13 of 14. The efficiency this season for Cameron Hergett is, is next level, and that's been uh, some of the improvement we've seen in his game, especially passing. Just the efficiency has been off the charts this year. But I believe it was a 14-7 to 7 game. So it's fourth quarter, 14-7. Beachwood has the ball on their own two-yard line. And if Dixie's able to get a stop, a three and out, they get the ball back in great field position, a chance to go down and tie it late in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to call this his Heisman moment. It wasn't like the two-point conversion against West Carter mm-hmm. last year. This felt, though, like a championship moment for Beachwood and for Cameron Hergett. Again, a team that beat them last year, so you know they were motivated to win this game. So to drive 98 yards in the fourth quarter to go up by two scores... Credit to Dixie, came back, scored, got an onside kick, had a chance in this game in the very final minutes of the fourth quarter to tie it. But those kinds of moments are what make championship football teams, and I thought Beachwood delivered on that 98-yard drive. They've allowed only six touchdowns all season in six games. Their defense is outstanding, but you know, I always say I don't want to turn this show into a Cameron Hergett fan account, but have you seen his last four games? I have. <laughs> 39 of 42. Yeah. Three incompletions in his last four games. 753 yards, six touchdowns, passing. Rushing in four games, 556 yards and eight touchdowns. So last four games, 1,300 total yards and 14 touchdowns. I'm going to say this, and I probably should have done the research myself. Mr. Football, first of all, is that a senior-only award? Yes. So no one's ever won it twice? No. Can he win it twice? Yes. He can. But will he? I actually had a conversation with Greg about that the other day. What did Greg say? Well, I think that the feeling is is that people won't vote for him out of spite. Sure. Um, which, again, I understand that it sucks because he is arguably the best player in the state and will put up numbers to earn it. But, you know, coaches coaches vote. At some point, you have to remove ego. I agree. And just an emotion. If the kid's the best player in the state and has the best numbers, sorry, he deserves the award. Yeah. And I don't want to speak for anybody else, but if if I were a candidate and I looked at my numbers comparatively to his, I, I know, I know, it's there's a lot of layers to this. I, I wouldn't want the award just given to me because they want to give it to somebody else, not because I didn't deserve it or earn it. Agreed. That's tough for me to say. Look, I'm 40 years old. I'm not an 18-year-old kid who would really like to get that award. Um, and again, I know there's a lot that goes into it. And we and have no skin different. in the game. We we don't, yeah. and it's different. We've never, we've never had this situation before. So I, I don't know how anybody's going to react to that kind but of. Let, all let, I okay. know is, all I know is, he won Mister Football last year. <laughs> He's square, having yeah. an even better year yeah. this year. That's that's just the fact. 
And here's where I am on this, especially with the AP writers. Now, the Coach Association has their own, and the AP writers have their other one. You can't tell me that a kid who pours out storylines the way he does isn't good for press. It's good for your show. Absolutely, he is. There's no question about it. It's a great point. You get traffic on you know, articles you write. I realize that here there's only one AP vote, which is always going to be tough for everybody. Um, it worked out last year. It worked out for Mike Mayer. worked out for Pat Tolles. But will it be twice? Who knows? I mean, the numbers are going to be Mr. And Football. Now that he goes into 2A, yeah, three straight district games, and then you finish with Newport Catholic. First couple rounds will be district again before you start traveling. And, you know, and they're right now ranked number one in the RPI, which I think more than anything else is where getting out of this non-district schedule unbeaten is huge for Coach Rash and the, the Tigers. Probably something that if, uh, if he was sitting right here, he would say, you know, with the way the RPI is, man, this is huge. And coming up as well, keeping health, everybody healthy, <clears throat> moving on that way. Especially with the way Lexington, Christian, and Mayfield have been That's playing it. and how they've done in their non-district games. Yeah. So moving forward for them, and got to avoid cancellations. That's the only way that I can see getting hurt. I actually saw Fred Douglas was number one in coming into the weekend in 5A RPI. There was a COVID forfeiture that they were in. They took the one nothing win, but they dropped to number two in the RPI because of that. Man, that's tough. That is tough. That's almost unfair. Question I need to find out, and I'm saying this just curious to myself. Wondering when the last time Beachwood had a perfect season was. I just have I don't to know. go back in the we have to look, yeah. and look it up. Jeremy will look while we talk yeah. here. Connor, 21, Highlands, 13. The Cougars moved to 2-0 and in the district, getting a huge win in Fort Thomas. Per usual, the A-team did their thing, combining for 56 carries, 222 rushing yards, and all three rushing touchdowns. Alex Castrusi had 126 yards on 28 carries and scored twice. Elijah Thompson carried the ball 28 times for 96 yards and a touchdown. Cody Crawford caught two passes for 27 yards. And Terry Phillips also had two catches for 16 yards. Story of the game, though, five turnovers for the Bluebirds. Jack Murray had an interception, and Connor had four fumble recoveries. Cody Crawford had two. Thompson and Phillips both had one. Clayton Melcher had 10 tackles. Thompson had seven. Carter Lindemann had six, which gives him 43 on the season to lead the team. Elliston Cooper had five, and Castrusi had three. Thompson and Castrusi have now combined for 1,300 rushing yards and 22 rushing touchdowns through seven games. For Highlands, split time at quarterback between Brodie Benke and Charlie Noon. Benke was 6 of 8 for 72 yards, and Noon was 4 of 11 for 18 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Carson Class, his fourth touchdown cast of the season. Sam Robinson carried the ball 13 times for 74 yards. Charlie Noon rushed seven times for 47 yards. Noon also had a 30-yard catch Friday night. Robinson had four catches for 26 yards. Class finished with 22 yards. Banky and Clayton Lloyd both had six-yard catches. Now, take a minute here to talk about this Connor kicker, Nick Keller. Have you seen, his, have you seen him kick? I have not. Four kickoffs Friday night, four touchbacks. He attempted a 60-yard field goal that was just left, but would have been good for 65 yards out. And he currently has an offer from Louisville. He's ranked... From Cole's kicking, he's ranked number one in the state and 27th in the country. Wicked smart, 4.68 GPA. Wicked smart. Wicked smart. A friend actually uh, called me yesterday morning who was at this game and was like, hey, man, you seen this kicker from Connor? I'm like, no. And he said, well, I was at this game and in warm-ups, he's just drilling 55 yarders like yeah. it's nothing. He's And he was like, is this normal for high school kickers? And I'm like, I don't think so, bud. <laughs> Spotted at the 50-yard line. Can you imagine? And it was just left. Gosh. And it would have been good from 65. Man, that's impressive. That's a weapon. You talk about getting into close games at the end, and once you cross midfield, like, we got a shot, coach. Get Nick warmed up and get him out there. Okay, you, you had a number in your recap here that you kind of said once and moved on. 28 carries for both Castrusi and Elijah Thompson. They combined for 56 carries in this game. Connor ran it nearly 60 times, 
as a team. So obviously they had some ball control offense. You mentioned it, the four turnovers, uh, four fumbles and a total of five turnovers uh, for Highlands was a difference in this game. New name pops up here for Connor this week, Cody Crawford, two catches, two fumble recoveries. Okay, Cody, the Connor defense, because we talk about the A team all the time, the Connor defense has allowed only 30 points the last four games. Yep. So you talk about, oh, why is Connor playing better football? Not only do they have the two stars in Castrucci and Thompson, but they also have a defense that obviously is playing really good football right now. So Highlands, that's four straight losses for Highlands. You saw Brody Benke's back. That's good. Yeah, very good news for them. He's one of their four or five best players on the team. We saw him get some time at quarterback. Uh, from the article I read in Fort Thomas Matters, that was the plan this week was to get him some time and to get Charlie Noon, who is just a playmaker wherever he is. Agreed. you got to be smart, I think, sometimes as coaches and just get your best players on the field. It just sounds so easy to say it out loud, but sometimes when guys play like positions, it's kind of hard to get them out there. So um, good on the Highlands coaching staff to try to find ways to get Banky and get Noon on the field together just to have your best players on the field at the same time. Uh, the Highlands defense, I thought, had some moments in this game. Look, they made... Eight tackles for loss. They had three sacks, so made some plays in the backfield. Oliver Harris is back. That's another guy who's been banged up this year. He was on the state championship basketball team. He had a tackle for loss. He had a sack. The thing is, when you're Highlands, and I saw a quote from Coach in this game, when you go on a losing streak like this, he says it can feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Yep. And it just kind of follows you everywhere you go when you have a losing streak. So... You would think next week is a bounce-back chance against Boone County for Highlands to feel better about itself before the two big ones against Cuffcath and Cooper to finish the regular season. But Connor here, the last thing I'll say about Connor is we've been talking and I've been asking you about who's that team that might pop up and surprise us in the second half. And we'll see when it gets more difficult on their schedule. But the way they're playing right now, they've got my attention. Offensively, we know what they are. The defense is really starting to step up, and they're playing their best football right now, I think, as we approach the end of the regular season. And here is my interview with Coach Trusper. The Connor Cougars are 5-2, and two, the winners of four in a row, and 2-0 and oh in District 5 play after defeating Highlands 21-13 in Fort Thomas on Friday. Coach, congrats on the win, and thank you for taking the time to step on. Peace cake. Love what you guys do for high school sports. It's awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, we talk a lot about Alex Castrusi and Elijah Thompson, and rightfully so. Uh, they've combined for just over 1,800 yards and 25 touchdowns on the season. Together, they had 56 carries and 252 rushing yards and three touchdowns Friday night. Man, you have coached so many dynamic offensive players in your career. What is it about these two young men that makes them special? Well, I mean, first of all, Steve, they're just tireless workers. I mean, they, they come to practice every day. They come to practice to get better. Uh, they want to get better. It's not one of those just show up and struggle through practice and screw around and not work at your craft. They, they show up every day, focused to, to detail. They watch them. Alex and I probably watch, uh, I, I don't know, we, we, we spend hours after practice every day watching film, um, you know, and – and they're both playing both ways. They're both playing offense and defense. Yep. Elijah turns kicks, returns punts. And so you can't have guys that are really good like that that don't want to get better in practice. And I think that's the biggest tribute to them is that they want to get practice better. They're eager to learn, and they want to get better every single day to make themselves as great as they can make them. And over the years, you've always had a really good bond with your quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks at Connor High, since you have been there, have been phenomenal. I can imagine that's no different than what's happened the last couple of years with Alex. Without a doubt. I mean, that, that's the part of it that – that's the piece that's always been like that. It's always going to be like that with me because if you're going to play quarterback, you have to, number one, commit to what we're doing. Because if you don't, then you're, you're not going to play quarterback. I'll take a lesser athlete and play him at quarterback – as opposed to a great athlete. But great athletes are never going to walk away from that. They're always going to try to push themselves to be better, and that's what we've always been able to do. And the biggest thing that a lot of people don't understand from our offense and what we do is that the reason why we're so much – our quarterbacks are good is because they have freedom. They're able to make checks. They're able to do things. And when you're able to do that as a quarterback, you take ownership. 
Now, credit where credit is due. The offense doesn't put up the numbers they do, with, especially in the running game where you guys have really done a good job the last couple of years without the offensive line doing their job. This group, how pleased are you with how they've progressed and how they've been performing? Oh, I mean, we, 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 we had two kids go down. We've already lost one kid, one of our better offensive and defensive linemen. He got hurt. He's out for the year. Um, and we just, we've been able to just next guy up, next guy up. We had two guys go down. Our center went down Friday, hurt his ankle. He came back in. Our left guard went down, hurt his ankle. He came back in. So we've had guys that have stepped up. But, I mean, I'm so proud of them. It's not even funny, um, you know, because all of them play both ways. Yeah. That's what people don't understand is, you know, sure, D-line-wise, we're able to rotate a lot more people in. But O-line-wise, we're not. And so, you know, our starting right tackle is our starting middle linebacker, Carter Lindemann. I mean, our starting left tackle is our starting defensive end, Grant Reese. So, I mean, we got guys playing both ways, and, I mean, they're producing, and, and they're doing things that our quarterback, our running backs, our wide receivers, and everyone else needs, and that you know as well as I do, that's the key. In the last four games, switching over to defense here, the defensive unit has allowed an average of seven and a half points per game and 191 offensive yards per game, and especially in two big district seed games. They've had 13 turnovers, either on interceptions or fumble recoveries. What is it about that group, especially a lot of them going both ways, that motivates them to play the way that they have? Well, I mean, first of all, everybody wants to ding us on the row in the Dixie games, and you know, those are two great teams. I mean, they're, they're awesome. You know, yes, the Rowell game, game, we sat half hours, no air conditioner, and waited on a brain lightning delay to go away. That was my fault. I lost the Rowell game for us. I'll never do that again. We'll get the bus and go back home and play the next night. Um, <laughs> Dixie's just, Dixie's good. I yes. mean, they're really good. And they're big I mean, they up play front. Yep. And they're huge. Yep. And, and so, you know, we played two great teams. And thirdly, to answer your question, we've got guys on defense that love defense. And what we do defensively is a lot of fun. And, you know, we slant, we move, we, we twist, we, we blitz, we play man coverage. And so from that perspective, you have two great guys that are in the secondary in Alex and Elijah that are great players on offense. And they go to defense and they play and they inspire. And it's the same thing. We build that bond offensively and defensively together. And that's what it's all about is those guys play together. They're together all the time. And they got each other's back, and that's that's the key. And that's the other thing about teams as the season goes on, the bond that they get from hanging out and being around each other every day, uh, the more that strengthens, the better they perform as a unit. Without a doubt. I mean, camaraderie is, is huge in understanding each other and being in the commitment that they're in and the time spent together. No matter what, number one, you can never replace that. But number two, um, it, it just it, it helps each other to become committed to what we're doing. Friday night go on the road in a big district game, homecoming atmosphere at Highlands. What is it uh, that you took away from that game? Um, I know you said you had some injuries as well, or maybe even learned about your group as you move forward for the rest of the year. I didn't really learn. I already knew about our group. I mean, I knew I knew what we had. I knew what we were, were capable of doing. Each week we're gaining, gaining ground, and we're getting better, and, and we're working harder, and we're doing things, and, and – I don't, you know, I don't get caught up in all that. You're going to Highlands for homecoming. You know, two years ago, we went over and played, and the U.K. band was there, 250 members for uh, Jared Lorenzen Day. And, and, you know, we just, we don't, we don't get caught up in that, you know. And, and I don't, I never have been a guy that's get, gotten caught up in that. That's all for the fans. That's all for the media. That's not for us. We, we went and played a football game, and that's what I told them. That's the second homecoming we've been. We were Boone's homecoming. We had our homecoming. So the way we set the stage is, is that, hey, you know what? This is all adversity. This is all sudden change. This is preparing us for playoffs. How are we going to handle all the lights and all the things that goes on? Well, we already played in two, so what's one more? Doesn't make any difference. Just show up and go play the game. And that plays right into my last question here, looking ahead to Cooper this Thursday. You talked about prime time, big lights, big atmosphere. You know, your team knows Cooper really well. I would imagine that it's not going to take a whole lot of effort to get them fired up to have a really good week of practice. You know, what are some of the things that, uh, without giving away game plan stuff, but what are some of the things that you're looking for in this group to um, be successful this week? Well, I mean, first of all, this, this game 
has became, in my opinion, the biggest rivalry in Northern Kentucky. Um, I, I don't care what anybody says. I've, I, I'm 51 years old. I've been in Northern Kentucky my entire life and been involved in football my entire life and sports in Northern Kentucky. And this game has became more of a rivalry than any game that I can, that I can tell you about. Um, you know, and, and that's my opinion. But for the day, throw everything out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do offensively. It doesn't matter what you do defensively. The bottom line is you got to go play and you got to be able to show up and make some plays. And that's, that's going to be the key. You know, it's, it's not going to make a difference what you do. You know, it, it always seems like whoever has the ball last in this game ends up winning. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, from a schematic standpoint, I can tell you anything I want to tell you. Um, I can scheme everything up, but, you know, we have game plans as to what we do and how we do it. They do too, but throw them out. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, we played them, I think, six years ago, and we'd only won one game, and they'd won six, and we went over and beat them. You know, and, and so, it, it, and they did the same to us. So, I mean, it's, it's something that's, that's just a great rivalry. The kids get excited about playing, and you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. I don't have to do a whole lot to, to excite them about this game because they're, they're going to be mentally prepared and ready to go. Coach, again, thanks for taking the time to come on, and, man, wishing you guys luck this week. Hey, no problem, Steve. We appreciate you and, and all you guys do. I mean, you got so many irons in the fire. I don't even know how you have time to do this stuff. But <laughs> well, high, we try. <laughs> high, school sport, high school sports is better for, for what you guys do for it. I appreciate it, Coach. Cooper, 51, Madison, consolidated 19. The Jags roll, set milestones, and broke records in Indiana Friday night in what was the 75th win in the program's history. The story of the night was junior running back Eli White, and all he did was work 211 rushing yards on 16 carries, six rushing touchdowns, a 24-yard catch, a 40-yard kick return, and three-and-a-half tackles, one of which forced the safety for the Cooper defense. <laughs> Sell some popcorn, too. Wow. Six touchdowns puts him atop the school's record book for most touchdowns scored in the game. He had touchdown runs of one yard, 67 yards, three yards, 42 yards, 23 yards, and 33 yards. Someone should get him a car, too. What do you think? A new car for Drop top. Eli. Brennan Ty had 64 yards on 12 carries, and he scored the first touchdown of the game on a two-yard run on Cooper's first possession. Drew Worth and his mustache had also had a big night, 15 of 20, passing for 198 yards and a perfect 7 of 7 on extra points, which is also a new school record. Man, kicker love today. Uh, kickers are everywhere. Kickers are people, too. Alex Turner caught four passes for 88 yards. Nathan Gamble caught six for 39 yards. Jace Hotchkiss caught two balls for 26 yards. And Austin Alexander had a 16-yard catch. Jake Harmeyer had seven tackles. Alex Turner had four. Adam Sand had four, two for loss. Brendan Ty, Jack Loniker, and Colby Moody all had three and a half with tackles for loss. Nice breakout game for the Cooper offense. And we're seeing they have multiple guys who can beat you, obviously, We've talked a lot about Brendan Ty on this show to have Eli White, who's another guy we, we talk about a lot. For him to have a big night like that, that's got to be great for him. Uh, certainly a memory he'll take for a long time to score six touchdowns in a high school football game is not easy to do. Makes and, me think of Married with Children, Al Bundy. Did Al Bundy do that? Yeah, I, I think it was six, but yeah. <laughs> yeah he talked about it like all the time. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. It's going to be Eli. Yeah, Eli will be sitting on his couch, you know. <laughs> Telling his ungrateful kids. Yeah, exactly. I scored six touchdowns. Scored six touchdowns. Go cut the grass. <laughs> uh, so a big night for him. And, and Cooper now is a team that, man, you think about their schedule, and I say it all the time on the show, just how close they are to being 6-0. and They're 4-2. and Again, they had Ryle against the ropes. They took Cat to four overtimes. But 4-2 and right now. Um, and again, a team that's going to be dangerous, I think, throughout the rest of the season in 5A. Corbin, 56. I'm in Kenton, 24. The Pioneers went down 21 to nothing in the first quarter before getting within four at 21-17 in the third. But Corbin would score four straight touchdowns to put the game away. Chase Crone was 8 of 23 for 95 yards and rushed 34 times for 154 yards and had a five-yard touchdown run to put Simon Kenton on the board. Jaden Lawson would score on touchdown runs of eight yards and 58 yards as he totaled 149 rushing yards on 22 carries. Caleb Blyer had 18 yards rushing. Luke Morrison had four catches for 74 yards. Nathan Kitchens had two catches. Chase Williams and Jackson Galbraith also had catches. 
Andrew Petty kicked a 32-yard field goal and was 3 of 3 on extra points. Josh Bowling had 6.5 tackles. Chase Gill had 4. Mark Ober had 4, two of which were for loss. The big picture is Simon Kenton drops to 1-5, and five, but Corbin is hammering everybody. Undefeated. Corbin's a really good team. Uh, they have a kid going to UK playing wide receiver who we had on the highlights. So I was like, wow, that kid's special. So uh, you can see and understand uh, why Corbin won this game the way they did. They're just really a good football team. But I think we learned a little bit about Simon Kenton. Look, they're they're young-ish. They have a lot of young players in important spots. They fell behind 21-0 to a really good team and a good program. They they made this game Mm 21-17 in the middle of the third quarter. So if you're Jeff Marksbury, you got to step back and say, man, my team's got some fight. They got some toughness. And they're not going to give up. And I thought that was impressive for Simon Kenton to claw back into this game. And then Corbin hit that gear they've got and went on to win by 30-plus. But when you start thinking about this team going forward, not even next year, but just for the rest of this year, I just wonder. It it kind of feels like to me that Simon Kenton is turning a bit of a corner here. They had the win a couple of weeks ago. They played Corbin tough for about three quarters in this game. They have Dixie coming up soon. and, And Dixie... We remember what Simon Kenton Dixie looked like last year in the playoffs, an absolute classic. And you got to think Simon Kenton's going to have that game circled on the schedule. Jeff Marksbury's going to have his team ready to play. I just I just wonder if Simon Kenton can get up for that game, make it a big game. One thing about Chase Crone, up to 11th in the state in passing yards per game with 204 passing yards. So that's a kid, again, with a big-time future at Simon Kenton. Bishop Brossard, 14, Nicholas County, nothing. The Mustangs run their record to 7-0, pick up their first district win, and pitch their fourth shutout of the season in what I'm now renaming Paul Wiggins Field at the Mustang Athletic Complex. He deserves it. Jacob Light with another big night. 16 carries, 133 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and eight tackles on defense. The greatest Martin, Jed, carried the ball 13 times for 82 yards. Evan Orth had 46 yards on five carries. Jed Martin and Derek Martin both caught passes from light. Caleb Lukes led the way with 13 tackles, which gives him 49 on the season. Evan Orth had six. Eli Tweehues and Dave Govan had five. And the Martins, Alex Reese and Austin Shadler, all had three. Doesn't have anything to do with Brossard, but the Nicholas County Place kicker. All right. And I've had two people call me about this. Kickers! Arturo Lopez Dominguez is apparently the next coming of Sebastian Janikowski. (laughs) I'm being serious. Coach Wiggins told me that he missed a 61-yard field goal by about a foot and a half. He also attempted a field goal from 45 yards, which was just left, and 60 yards, which was just short of the crossbar. Man, what is going on with kickers? the, The crew chief and Coach Wiggins both said that when his foot hits the ball, it sounds like a cannon going off. Yeah. And Sebastian Janikowski, the Polish cannon. Man. So is he a left footer? Do you I know? don't know. Okay. Well, I just said that because he kicks bombs. Because he has bombs and Sebastian Janikowski kicks bombs. Yes. Okay, I got you. So uh Bishop Brossard, hello, seven straight, seven and oh, and I don't know, what, three, four weeks now I've been saying can they take this all the way through to an undefeated regular season? They're seven seven games in and all seven wins with three more to go. The running tally of the season for Bishop Brossard is now 180-22. to 22. They've allowed 22 points in seven games. They have four shutouts in seven games. One of only three teams in their class undefeated. And, you know, we talk about Jacob Light. He had a game. Jed Martin had a game. Caleb Lukes is a name that I'm glad you highlighted in this game with 13 tackles and, what you said, now 49 for the season. So he's obviously a big playmaker on their defense. They only allowed 164 total yards to Nicholas County. So as much as we talk about Jed Martin, as much as we talk about Jacob Light, this defense, again, is an engine to what Bishop Rosser's doing, and that is an undefeated record so far, 7-0 and for Paul Wiggins and the Mustangs. Scott, 35, Harrison County, 14. The Eagles get the big road win on the hilltop in Cynthiana, putting themselves in a great spot in the district race. Gus Hallett once again led the way offensively with 214 passing yards by completing 8 of 13 passes for three touchdowns. Gus also rushed 11 times for 70 yards and a rushing touchdown of his own. Cameron Patterson caught three passes for 79 yards and had a touchdown catch. Riley Huff had two catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Nolan Hunter had a 48-yard catch where he showed his basketball skills that he'd learned from me by getting the ball and just 
fighting his way to the goal line, stiff arming dudes. Nice. Post moves. Yeah, post moves. <laughs> Dylan Giffen had a 25-yard touchdown catch as well. How about that? Howlett, Patterson, Hunter, Huff, Giffen, all score touchdowns, all basketball players. Coaching. coaching. All coaching. Coaching. Nate Meyer had 17 yards on four carries. Giffen had a 16-yard run. I'm going to get crap for that. I was <laughs> Benny Hill ran three times for 16 yards. Luke Iden was five of five on extra points and probably could have had four field goals, but Coach Turner is saving his leg for the soccer districts this week, so there you go. Kickers. Damon Hacker led the mullets with 14 tackles in a sack. Sage Lally had 10 tackles in a sack. Zach Shepard had nine. Boomer Klusman and Nathan Knowles had five. Zach Weir had four. Griffin Henderson, Aaron Cummins, and Emmanuel Mills had three. The full Gus Hallett takeover is in effect in Taylor Mill. Nearly 300 yards of total offense, four total touchdowns. Maybe this is me trying to dissect a box score too much, but when you throw four touchdowns to four different receivers, I think that shows the maturity of a quarterback who doesn't just lock on to one guy. We know how talented some of the receivers are, but when you go to other guys, get people involved, and can spread the football around, I think that shows you what kind of a quarterback Gus Hallett is. Something changed with Scott, right? So they had the 27-7 loss to Boone County early in the season. I'm curious to find out what got the season turned around for Scott. To lose by 20 to Boone, and now they have won four of the last five, have won three in a row, they're five and two, and, and I read through the KHSAA stats. They currently have Scott ranked number three in the state in passing defense, number two in the state in rushing defense. And that's after an understanding that all the stats haven't been tabulated by all the coaches yet, but they're going to be in the top five, top ten of the state in two major defensive categories and I go back to what I said last week. If you would have asked me what's Scott all about, I said the identity of Scott is the quarterback, the offense, throwing it around. The identity of the football team now, yes, is the quarterback, but it's a defense that's showing up every single week and playing winning football. You talk about the point totals allowed in their five wins, 13-12, 14-7-14. So when their defense shows up and has a good game, Scott wins. I think that's the difference. I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah. They give up 27 to Boone, and since then, they have just been in full shutdown mode. And their defense is creating offense. It's it's unbelievable what they've done. And it's, if you look at the Boone County stats, yeah, the Boone County stats, this was the, the last time the offense had, had not played well. We had Gus Hallett was 1 of 14, a lot of drops in that game, too, for negative one yards, right? And 59 total rushing yards Yeah, in that game. So, you know, whatever has happened over there at the field house after that, you know, good on them, good on coach for getting a turnaround. But then you look at the rest of the regular season schedule. It's hard. It is. Boyd County, Holmes, yeah. Dixie to finish up their regular season. But with each chance you play against a good team, you got a good chance to get an impressive win. So that's the way I would look at it if I were Scott. Rowan County, 14, Holmes, 8. The Bulldogs dropped their district opener on the road in Moorhead. Senior quarterback Tez Callaway didn't play in the second half due to injury, which limited their offense to 42 yards in the second half. Holmes had a deep drive in the second quarter that ended after a fourth and one on the Rowan County 18-yard line. Imarion Arnold's 28-yard touchdown run in the first put the dogs up 8 to nothing. after Kurt Tez Hill's two-point conversion pass from Tez Callaway. Arnold finished with 55 yards on the ground. Tez Callaway also rushed for 55 yards. Tay Callaway ran for 44 yards. Curtez Hill rushed for 29 yards. Miguel Garcia cut two passes for 14 yards. Take Halloway and Arnold both had two catches as well. Holmes led this game at halftime 8-7. to seven. You mentioned that Tez Calloway doesn't play in the second half and they don't score. Quarterbacks matter. Playmakers matter. And when you take him off the field, that matters a lot to Holmes. But you look at the big picture for Holmes. Look, we know Callaway, Callaway, and Hill will do their thing. This is just another example of great Holmes defense holding Rowan County to 14 points. They're a good team, Rowan County. Good team, winning record so far this year. It does snap Holmes' three-game winning streak. They dropped to 4-2. and two. I still feel good about Holmes this season if Tez is okay to play the rest of the year. It's falling somewhere in that seven-ish kind of wins area with four games left on the schedule. Kevin and Catholic, 39, Boone County, 6. The Colonels also moved to 2-0 and in district play and 4-3 and three overall. 
Sophomore quarterback Evan Pitzer was 11 of 16 for 162 yards and threw a 51-yard touchdown pass to Nicholas Boydston to kick off the scoring for Cuffcath. He followed that up with a 15-yard touchdown pass to David Sullivan to make it 15 to nothing. Zion Mason would score in a 14-yard run in the second quarter to make it 22 to nothing. Pitzer's three-yard touchdown run closed the first half scoring and made it 29 nothing at the break. Eli Nally's 34-yard field goal in the third made it 32 to nothing. Kickers. And, yep. Braden Collins scored on a one-yard run in the fourth to make it 39 to nothing. Boone County Skyler Sears scored the lone rebel touchdown on a 24-yard pass from sophomore Jamarion Hucker in the fourth on top of the passing yards. Pitzer rushed three times for 82 yards. Reed Hummel rushed for 67 yards. Robbie Sampas had three carries for 38 yards. Collins and Mason both rushed for 16 yards. Sullivan finished with two catches for 41 yards. John Linehan had three catches for 17 yards. Owen Lean, Adam Holtz, Jack Kane, Reed Hummel, and Trevor Wilson all caught passes for Cuffkath. Aiden Jones had eight tackles. Rob Sampas had seven and his fourth interception of the season. David Sullivan had six. Dallas Worth, Trevor Wilson, and Colin Gastright all had four. Wilson also had a sack for the Rebels. Richard West was six of eight. For 38 yards, Jamarion Hocker was 2 for 5 for 35 yards. Braden McCarty had a 41-yard run in this game. Jeremiah Williams rushed 5 times for 17 yards. Braxton Graves had 6 carries for 15 yards and 2 catches for 18 yards. Jay Sean Pouncey had 2 catches for 17 yards. McCarty had a 9-yard catch. And Jeremiah Williams had a 7-yard catch. Christian Benden, Maury Kenny, Desmond Hopkins, and Skylar Sears all had 4 tackles. Divion Davis had 3 Noah Hayes had a fumble recovery. So we talked about Cuffcath going to the sophomore quarterback last week. This was his first, I believe, was it his first full game, or did he start against Cooper I as believe well? he started against Cooper. So a second game starting now for Evan Pitzer, and the numbers are excellent. 11 of 16, 162 yards passing, also the 82 yards rushing. So about 250 yards of total offense and three touchdowns against Boone County. So a really, really nice performance from a sophomore quarterback at Covcath, who I believe they believe will develop into a really good football player. <clears throat> Can I say something real fast? Yeah, we, we had had a, we had the conversation about the sophomore quarterbacks last mm-hmm. week, and I know you had mentioned him. We had forgotten Logan Virax in that conversation only because they didn't play. Yeah. Yeah, that's your fault. That is my fault. Continue. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can only go on the list I have in front. I'm I'm not good enough. Good to see Zion Mason make a play because I think he is a kid that is a playmaker for this team on both sides of the football. So to see him get in the end zone, he can be a weapon for this team. You mentioned Robbie Sanfis. Rob Sanfis is tied for third in the state with four interceptions. So there's another guy making plays on defense. He's better than his dad too. (laughs) Willie Rodriguez is a name we haven't said yet. He's a young guy at Covcath. I believe he's a sophomore. He had three tackles, a tackle for loss, and a sack. He looks like he could be an impressive player. Uh, Covcath defense only allowed 160 yards of Boone offense. They've won two in a row, three of the last four. Uh, Bye week coming up before it's Highlands, Connor, and Ryle. So the final three for Covcath are going to be big games against good teams. Uh, For Boone County, drops into three and four. They couldn't get Richard West going again on the ground. He had a tough week last week on the ground, just eight yards on seven carries this week. Jeremiah Williams, a guy we had been talking about with back-to-back 100-yard games, he was bottled up. Boone County took care of the football in this game. Only one turnover. A lot of times you would think in a game what that looks 39-6, to there would be a lot of turnovers. Boone County took care of the football, so well-coached. Uh, Skyler Sears is another guy you mentioned. He's a kid that just makes big plays. He's got a lot of interceptions this year, had a touchdown in this game. Uh, Boone County, man, that schedule. They played Covcat. Now they got Highlands, Cooper, and Tates Creek. Some of these schedules down the stretch for these teams are really hard, really difficult. And uh, that's good and bad. It's, it's good that you're going to be tested before the playoffs. It's also tough, though, that sometimes it can ding your confidence mm-hmm. when you go out and play really hard teams. just need to win sometimes. just need to win sometimes to feel better about yourself. So tough schedules for both Connor, excuse me, for both Boone County and Covcath going forward. And uh, I think you're going to throw in a little bit about both teams here the next few weeks. Walton, Verona, 24, Carroll County, 7. Another big win for the Bearcats. Tyson Beach had a 14-yard rushing touchdown with 10.58 remaining in the second quarter. Walton got a 29-yard field goal by sophomore Lincoln Mann late in the quarter and led 10 to nothing at the half. With 9.54 left in the third, Trey Hatmaker found Beach wide open for the 51-yard touchdown pass, and the Barths led 17 to seven. 
Beach, his third touchdown of the game, a four-yard touchdown catch with one uh, with 11-13 remaining in the game, ended the scoring, and the Bearcats moved to 2-0 in the district and 4-3 and overall. Man, is Tyson Beach a player. He's a stud, man. I didn't Good know he him. had the game he had until I saw this here. Boy, he had all three other touchdowns. He is a young guy, too. He's, he's not a senior, so Tyson Beach is going to be a name to hear a lot about and remember from Walton Verona here the next couple of years. You start thinking about Walton Verona stacking wins. You mentioned it. They are now to 4-3 and three overall, undefeated in district play. Their final three games are against teams with a combined five total wins. So there are winnable games left on Walton Verona's schedule to finish up the regular season. And again, we just talked about it, feeling good about yourself going into the playoffs. There's a chance here for this team to get on a bit of a roll, even though they are banged up and missing some of their best players, a chance to get some wins and feel good about themselves going to postseason play. Newport 48, Bellevue nothing. Ethan Jefferson hit himself a night in Newport City. Uh, He rushed for 73 yards and two touchdowns and was 17 of 26 for 296 passing yards, throwing for four touchdowns. Michael King caught six passes for 146 yards and scored three touchdowns. Caleb Thompson caught six passes for 74 yards. Quincy Barber had 57 receiving yards and on three catches and a touchdown. Amari Brown had a 32-yard scoop and score for Newport. Robert Sanders had 13 tackles and a fumble recovery. Khalil Barber had 10. Quincy Barber had 9 and a fumble recovery. Andrew Rath had 6. I did not get stats from Bellevue. Man, Robert Sanders is an absolute game wrecker. The Sandman. 13 more tackles for him. Boy, mm-hmm. he is impressive. This does work, man. I believe this is Brian Weinrich's first win on the field it could at be. Newport. Yeah. I know they had a COVID cancellation, but I believe this is Brian Weinrich's first on the field win at Newport. 48 yeah, nothing. while you're talking. So an impressive way for him to get that and certainly a night to remember for Ethan Jefferson. <laughs> you add up the numbers. We're talking about a kid who had... Nearly 400 total yards and six touchdowns. I called him the Northern Kentucky Lamar Jackson last year after I saw him play a game. And this is the kind of night why I gave him that nickname. Those numbers are just wild. What a great game for him. Michael King is a guy, again, who pops every single week for Newport. Uh, if I'm, uh, and look, I know I say this all the time on this show, if I'm a local recruiter, Michael King is on my radar. He is a really good football player. Newport's defense recovered four Bellevue fumbles, held Bellevue to only 119 total yards. But, yep, you confirmed it. Brian Weinrich's first on-the-field win for Newport. And correct me if I'm wrong, he was a defensive guy. Always was, yes. Yep, so for his defense to go out there and shut out Bellevue and limit them to about 120 total yards, I think has to be a good feeling for him. Uh, Newport plays Lloyd, Holy Cross, and Pendleton County, three of the final four. So chances for wins here, not just getting that first win, but maybe multiple wins for Brian Weinrich and Newport coming up. Mason County, 32, Ludlow, 9. Brogan O'Brien was 8 of 15 for 82 yards and had an 8-yard touchdown pass to Nick Tackett in the fourth quarter. Tackett finished with five catches for 64 yards. Braxton Newborn rushed 21 times for 106 yards. O'Brien rushed 11 times for 61 yards. Jackson Rice had a 14-yard catch, and Newborn had two catches. Nick Tackett led the defense with 12 tackles. Newborn had 11. Sean Bowling had 8. O'Brien had 6. Tommy King, Caden Morrison, Dustin Brewer, and I believe that's supposed to be Rice, all had 4. If we did the best quarterback-running back combinations in Northern Kentucky, where do you think Brogan O'Brien and Braxton Newborn a healthy rank. Braxton newborn. Correct. Let's let's say that. Very important he distinction. Is, yes, he has not been healthy since the preseason. Let's think about him. Logan Landers and Pierce Rollman yeah, no certainly doubt. is one. I mean, you, you can think make about a case of, of, of Hergett and Avery Courtney or Mitch Berger. Yep, so take your pick there. Connor mm-hmm. certainly with Castrucci. Yep. Yes, yes. 100%. And Elijah Thompson. And listen, if you know Jake Welch at Highlands doesn't get hurt and he's out, you have you know Charlie yep. and him as well. Jacob Light. Jed yeah, Martin. Jed Martin. There's a lot. There's, There's a, a lot. lot of combinations of players. You think out to Ryle with Virax, and they have a lot of running backs, but Gabe Savage certainly is, is a guy who gets the ball a lot out there. So you can pick and choose a lot of different people who are the best and most talented and most productive quarterback-running back combinations. I just... When you, the Callaways. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of them. And I think Brogan O'Brien and Braxton Newborn, if we were to make a list on that, certainly I'd put them on the list to be argumentative. Chase Crone, Jaden Lawson. Another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got a lot. <laughs> that's good. And that's cool because, uh, you know, and it's funny, we were talking about Brian Weinrich and my final thought coming up here in a little bit, we'll talk about this. You know, we get so excited sometimes about offenses and scoring points and quarterbacks and running backs. I'm going to talk about the defenses a little bit, but yeah, we, when you talk about Braxton Newborn and Brogan O'Brien, and it's not just offense, those guys play both ways and they get a, a lot of tackles, mm-hmm. but man, they just, every week they put up numbers and they compete. And I'm just really impressed with both of those guys. Montgomery County, 41 Lloyd six tough nine on the road for the jugs. Caden Zulager paced the offense with 131 rushing yards on 19 carries with a rushing touchdown, his sixth of the season. Jeremiah Lyles added 43 yards on the ground, and Amari Riley had 18. Carlos Esquivel had a 13-yard catch. Zulager had two catches for 11 yards. Braxton Irwin and Quentin Jones also had catches. Hayden Spencer was 5 of 12 for, for 39 yards, but had four interceptions. Tough night for him. Quentin Jones led all defenders with seven tackles. Caden Tomlinson had four. Isaiah Sebastian, Amari Griffin, Amari Riley each had three. And Ethan Spalding had two. First things first, Montgomery County is a good team. They're yeah. four and two, having a good season. Mm-hmm. So a tough draw here for Lloyd in this game. The Lloyd offense, they ran the ball well. They ran for nearly 200 yards. Caden Zulager is having a great year. Great man. year. Blue Steels getting it done for Lloyd. They just didn't make any plays on defense. They didn't make any plays in the backfield. Didn't force any turnovers to kind of tilt a game back to their side of the football. That's three straight losses now for Lloyd. Two and four. Midway point of the season. I think they're better than that record. Mm-hmm. I really do think yep. they're better than that record, and they have a chance to prove it here in the next few weeks. For the Week 8 games, we have three on the schedule for Thursday night. Ludlow will travel to Newport Central Catholic. Well, I guess they'll travel to Newport to play Newport Central Catholic. Owen County will travel to Walton Verona, and Cooper We'll travel to Connor. What do you got here, Joe? That is a Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown game. Whoa. Connor and Cooper. That's a big game. What does that mean? Does that mean people get Skyline Chili? That means they get more attention. So you're going to be on get, prime time. The only right, people yeah. who get Skyline are the people who work the game. We need more of these Thursday night games, though. We do. I agree. Hey, don't even get me started. I like a good standalone <laughs> game on Thursdays. I get I, a little attention. Listen, full transparency. As the assigner for officials... And with the current shortage of officials that we have for a multitude of reasons, one of the options is moving to Thursday, moving to Saturday. And I've made it known to just about every coach that I've talked to, I am not a Saturday game person. I have never been coaching basketball. I hate Saturdays because your, your rhythm and your flow is disrupted. At least on Thursday, the kids are still getting up. They're still going to school. Uh, Saturday, unless you get them there, who knows what time they're going to sleep to. There's just never really good flow to the game. So for me, and, you know, Connor, I'm sorry, Cooper has already played a Saturday night game. So playing a Thursday night, I guarantee you that Coach Borges will tell you right now, I would rather play this on Thursday. And they moved this for us so we could have crews to call games. So, um, And the Thursday night games, we've been playing Thursday night games here since Trevor Stellman was the quarterback at Connor. All right. Maybe one or two a year. And in the last eight years, there have been multiple Thursday night games per year, especially on the leading up to fall break. You know, they'll play Thursday and then have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off and then return. I don't know if that's a situation here for any of these schools, but the Thursday night games are always well attended. Hmm. Always well attended. Uh, Bellevue and Brossard played. Earlier in the year, I think it was week two or week three, and I am telling you right now, I looked up at the stands at one point, and I thought, there's a thousand people here. So I sent a text to their athletic director with just the money bag. (laughs) Secure the bag. You think about it, though, because you're going to get all the people who want to come watch the game. They're going to get you know a couple hundred people like, hey, I want to go watch a high school football game, and there's no other game tonight, so I'm going to go to that one. Yep, there were kids from Dayton there, Ludlow there. Newport there, and obviously the Bellevue Brossard people, and I'm sure there are other people as well. I just didn't pay attention to that. You know, the Thursday night games are great, and at this game here, you're going to have kids from Ryle. You'll have kids from Boone. They'll be buying Skittles yeah. and Gatorades and 
just and then Joe D will be there with the with Brady. Is that you and Brady do the skyline? I see that you do it on Fridays. So it's kind of whoever's working that night. Uh, that's a Thursday game. That'll be Jeremy. Jeremy will be on that. I'll be back to work on Friday. So yeah, Jeremy Rao oh, will be right. there. You're off to get that one covered. And uh, yeah, they'll get a lot of attention for that game. They should get attention because it's a big game. I think those are two teams that we've highlighted a lot on this show. A lot of individual talent. Some teams who can really run the football. That should be a fun game. I think that'll be a close game. It's going to be, I really do think is. it's going to be a close game. But uh, both teams, I think, have a chance here to, to make a statement against each other. Can it be a defensive game? It can be, but I, I tend to think this game will be won in the 20s, maybe even low mm-hmm. 30s yeah. by the winning team. Because both defenses have been playing really well. They have been playing great. We talked about Connor's defense. Only 30 points allowed last four yeah. games. Uh, but but Cooper can really run it, and Connor obviously has those two <laughs> huge deal. playmakers, yeah. man. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think it might be just a tick higher scoring than we might think. Highlands will travel to Boone County on Friday. Bishop Rossert will go to Bracken County. Ryle will travel to Campbell County. And then... Bellevue will travel to Dayton. Do they have a name for this game? The Battle of the Paddle. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Why am I why am I blanking? I was thinking of so yeah, of course it's the battle the for battle the battle of the paddle. Yeah. Or that's for the paddle. Battle for the paddle. Uh yeah, duh. Of course. Yeah. We we're always there for that game. I can't wait. That's one of my favorite games, man. And it's at Davis Field in Dayton. Oh man, I love that field. You go there, you have to put on like, you know, like boots. Because they still have that natural grass. If it's rained <laughs> yeah. all week long, I think we're going to get some rain this week. Ugh. I can't wear those nice, fancy work shoes I got. I got to put on the boots and, and tuck the pants in so I don't get all messy. I love that. I love that field. Standing in the corner. There's not a lot of light in that corner. You know, it's it, God, that, I love that setting. I, I love going to games at Dayton. And, and I know how much the battle for the paddle means to the folks down there. So looking forward to that one. Beachwood will play Holy Cross at Thomas More. Lloyd will travel to Newport. Boyd County will travel to Holmes. Holmes needs to get back on the winning ways there. And then Dixie will travel to Simon Kenton. You got anything, Joe? Yeah, I want to touch on two of those games there. So Lloyd at Newport, they played twice last year, and they split the games. And I was at the first game, the regular season. Newport won in the regular season. Lloyd won in the playoffs, and both were excellent games. And a lot of kids made some big-time plays in that in those games. So uh, Lloyd certainly looks at this as an opportunity to get their season turned around a bit because they haven't been playing well recently. Uh, Newport's coming off the 48-point win and feeling good about themselves. So kind of, you know, talk about the psychology of football here. Here comes Lloyd wanting a win. Newport's feeling good. They met last year and split in the, in the regular season, the postseason. So looking forward to that game. And then Dixie Simon Kenton is one I said, just, just maybe, just put it on alert. Certainly, everybody would agree that Dixie would be favored in this game. I know uh, from the article I read about the Dixie uh, Beachwood game that you know Coach Brosser was telling his team after the game, "Look, there's no reason we can't win them all mm-hmm. going forward. Agreed. We can't win them all for the regular season. So this is a team that's going to be motivated and ready to play." But Simon Kenton, I'm seeing signs of of life from Jaden Lawson. Chase Crone is having a great year. If Simon Kenton can find a way to get a few stops. Maybe a turnover here or there. Maybe they can make this game a little closer than people might think. That That's my one. I'm not calling an upset here. It would be an upset, I think, if Simon Kenton beat Dixie. I'm not calling the upset, but I just wonder if Simon Kenton has a game in them. It just kind of feels like it's bubbling towards a moment like that for the Pioneers. Final thought? Okay, so defense, right? We, we talk so much, and look, me doing what I do on TV, we love to see touchdowns we love to see big plays on offense quarterbacks and running backs all that thing so we have four local teams ranked in the top 20 in the state in defensive points allowed bishop brossard's ranked number one beachwood's ranked number three riles ranked number 15 cooper's ranked number 19 those four teams are combined 21 and four wow defense still matters Brossard's number one, Beachwood's number three. They're both undefeated. Defense still matters. So as much as guys like me like to look at and talk about quarterbacks and offense and touchdowns, defense still matters. I'm not a defense wins championships guy because I saw the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl without without much defense. That's just, you know, offense matters. But defense can still get it done, and we're seeing it this year with four of our better teams from Northern Kentucky respective to their class, have great defenses, 
and they're winning games because of it. Jeremy, got anything? In the heart of district play this week, a lot of these games are going to go a long way to determine who gets a home playoff game. So Dixie Simon, Brosser to Bracken, Bracken trying to get a home playoff game as well. Uh, You had Newport and Lloyd, big way to get a home playoff game. And the primetime Cooper Connor. Mm -hmm. I love the Thursday night. I know you really looking forward to the Thursday night. I wish it was on TV. You going? I will, yes. Yeah. Unless it rains, because then I don't handle rain well. I don't handle cold well, or the combination of either. So how did you ref in cold, wet games? <laughs> I bitched about it. <laughs> I did not like it. I did not like it, because it always meant, like, uh, the following Thursday, I was going to start running a fever and get a sinus infection. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Well, that's the show. I don't have a final thought today, uh, the Week 7 show. Man, you guys... Keep listening. Keep sharing. We really appreciate what you guys are doing. Somebody send something to Trisha Mackey to make sure that Joe can get a cafeteria at Fox 19. Maybe she can just cater. That would be fine, too. No, cater a night, a a nice dinner. And she does that. She's very, very generous. She's very generous. She takes care of us. The house that Trisha Mackey built. She did build it, man. It is a nice location up there, too. You've seen it? I've been there, dog. Yeah. Remember? That's right. You had me on. Yeah. It was a former school. It used to be a school. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Is that Mount Lookout? What We're is that? Queensgate. Well, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. It's just on the west side of downtown. Mm. This is a nice place. Nice view. We're right by the good new drone. I could fly a drone up there. We could. We're right by the new FC Cincinnati Stadium. Be a good drone shot. Nice. Nice. Well, we will uh, see you guys next week, most likely on Wednesday. But until then, you know, good luck to everybody. And we will see you next time.